Tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to be looking inside our hearts a little bit more. Last week we were talking about confessing and confession, you know, and why that's so important. But I also think that it's important that we admit, you know, these are, you know, terminology, you know, in recovery, you know, that we have to face up to some of the things that we've done. You know, and it's hard for us to admit when we've been wrong. You know, and our sin likes to to creep in the background even when we're trying to get closer to Jesus. You know, I have a, a saying that came along many, many years ago as I've been working with people, and that pride's a funny thing. Because I literally watch people choose the wrong choice, and they know it, but they want to be right. And in so doing, they start this ball rolling that if it picks up enough momentum, it's hard to even stop it. And they end up in places that they said they would never be again. And it's hard to admit that I am the best one at destroying my own life. I don't need anyone's help. You know, I stopped blaming my parents many, many years ago because I realized that it's not their fault that my life is so screwed up. I am doing a a really good job at destroying my own life. You know, and as much as, you know, as a young man, it was, you know, someone else's fault most of the time, I came to the understanding that, you know, I destroy everything I touch. You know, and apart from Jesus coming in and changing me from the inside out, you know, I still would do pretty good at destroying things that I touch. I've learned that any time that I try to force my own will, usually the end of that decision, you know, is, you know, another firm decision or firm consequence of realizing that my decisions, you know, turn around and bite me in the butt. You know, and I learned once again that I am really good at destroying things, even with Jesus. And, uh, you know, the, the terminology that we, you know, learn and we use sometimes is the wages of sin is death. But I don't think we fully grasp that completely. You know, that the enemy wants us, you know, to, to be destroyed. You know, and scripture tells us that he comes in to kill, rob, and destroy. But I think that he has more pleasure in watching us suffer. So even if we come to know the Lord and are becoming part of a church and we're starting this process of getting to know Jesus, if we could know Jesus and still be suffering and still be trapped in sin, I think the enemy has a lot of pleasure in that. Because we're not walking victorious, we're not walking you know, in our inheritance, we're not knowing who we are. Our identity is not fully in Christ because we still have areas that we don't want to admit that we need help or are out of control or, you know, are destroying us from the inside out. See, I believe that death needs a payment. And obviously we know that Jesus Christ paid that ultimate payment for us. However, if we aren't laying our sins at the foot of the cross and allowing Christ to be the payment, where does that wage come from? 
And so often we are trying to extract a wage from a person. You know, if you have been lied to, then normally you become a liar. If you've been betrayed, you normally betray. If you've been, someone has stolen from you, then you steal from somebody else. It's not 100%. There isn't, you know, this is exactly how this works. But usually when you've been sinned against and you're not able to forgive said person, you then again sin against someone else. And this wage gets paid forward over and over and over again in our lives. You know, and so often, you know, if I've been cheated on, then I cheat on you. And if I've been, you know, ripped off, then I rip you off. And, you know, and it goes on and on and on because sin needs a wage. And if we're not allowing Jesus to be the price for our sin, we're trying to extract that wage from someone else. And I believe that if we continue down that road long enough, at some point, we, we reach the, the line in the sand, per se, and, and death may be upon us. You know, and that's hard. You know, that's a difficult way to look at. But Jesus was willing to lay down his life, that he was the death for the price of sin. But see, I think that there's times that we understand that we need Jesus. There's an understanding that I need salvation. But unless I'm able to be accountable for my own actions, then I can't really understand salvation because I'm still trying to be saved, but yet it's someone else's fault. And as long as it's someone else's fault, I don't really come to Jesus as the broken wretch that I really, really am. And I have to begin to admit that to myself, to God, and usually to other people. You know, and, you know, we hear the saying that we're only as sick as our secrets. But many of us have been keeping secrets a long, long time. You know, I've been working with this community for, I've been in this community for almost, you know, 20 years, 25 years. I've been working with people in this community for almost two decades. You know, I've been a Christian working with men and women in this community for 14 years. You know, and what I continue to, to see is that most of us have resentments. Doesn't matter how old we are, that date back to elementary school. You know, there's things that took place in our childhood that, you know, we're still hanging on to the woundings and the traumas and the betrayals and the abandonment and the rejection. You know, and here we are grown adults, you know, and some of us are a little bit younger than others, and some of us are a little bit older than others, you know, and yet there's still this stuff that's lingering in the background, you know, that that is causing us pain, you know, and as long as we're in denial or keeping secrets or stuffing it down or, you know, and we use terminology like it's all under the blood, it's in the past, and why do we have to deal with it? Why do we have to bring it up again? Well, if it's still moving on the inside of us on some level, that it's still, you know, pulling the puppet strings, that at some point that there's still stuff in our past, there's still stuff in our heart, there's still stuff in our minds, there's still stuff, pain, trauma, wounding, sin, that has the ability for that button to be pushed at any given moment, and I react a certain way that's an old man 
my old sinful man, my old sinful person, all of a sudden arises, you know, that I say that I'm a new creation and I believe that we're all new creations. I believe that we're, we're growing, but I don't believe that we have made it completely where we're supposed to be. We're always in this process of sanctification that hopefully today we're not doing the same stuff that we were doing years ago. And hopefully years from now we're not doing the stuff that we're doing now. That we're in this process of becoming more Christ-like. And, you know, but as long as we're still blaming others, hiding sin, denying sin, you know, these secrets take a toll on us. You know, and until we really put ourselves out before Christ, you know, and be transparent and come to Him as broken, you know, broken kids, basically, that those inner childs that we all have, you know, need some healing. They need Jesus. And, you know, I've come to realize that there is no outside thing that can fix me. I need to let Jesus into the very depths of who I am, and He begins to heal me from the inside out. And through that, you know, that we've wasted a lot of energy trying to suppress, hide, lie, you know, deny, whatever the words are that, you know, fit into that category for each and every one of us or all of the above. You know, we waste a lot of energy. We stay in bondage, you know, that, you know, we say that, you know, Jesus has set us free, but yet we have something that's still chained to our ankle that we're dragging around behind us. You know, and there's old habits and old behaviors and that that continue to emerge. So admitting out loud, you know, begins to strip these secrets of their power. You know, they lose their hold on us when we begin to speak them out loud. You know, I find this very true with fear. That we let something in our head you know, we hear a whisper and the enemy's tempting us and we get something bounce around between our ears and we, you know, grab a hold of that thing and we're going to figure it out and our anxiety begins to spin out of control. And then finally someone's like, what's wrong? And we're like, nothing. And it, But it's written all over our face that there's something. None of us in here do that. I know that. But, you know, that we let our anxiousness drive us to the plate of absolute chaos. And then we begin to tell someone, and when we start to speak it out loud, we start to recognize that it's not as bad as it was when it was between our ears. You know, and a lot of times that we get, you know, counsel from someone, or we just hear their feedback, or we feel their encouragement, or they pray for us, and a lot of times that fear begins to slip away. But a lot of times, if we just hold on to it, just ourselves, in our mind, and, and Satan's in there stoking the fire, we can end up in some crazy, crazy places. But the more we speak certain things out loud, you know, even if it's just to God, it's just me alone with the Lord, you know, talking about the craziness between my ears, a lot of times it's not so crazy once I start to speak it, because I begin to hear it. When I have in the darkness, I put into the light, and when the light begins to shine upon it, it's not as bad as it once was. You know, so it's important that we're getting these things out. You know, but a lot of us are afraid to reveal these things. And I understand that. Many of us have told our secrets to other people in the past, and it's come back to bite us. 
you know, people have gossiped about us, people have told things about us, people have used those things against us. However, I believe, you know, that we are in a season where we're choosing to, to try to press into Jesus to find healing. You know, and in that season, you know, we don't have to go around and tell everybody our secrets. However, I do believe that a conversation between us and the Lord needs to be happening where we're getting honest and real with ourselves, with Him, first and foremost. And then through that, we should be praying and saying, God, you know, who is the person that you're putting in my life where I can begin to trust that person that I can heal from all this stuff inside because I have tried to overcome this on my own for many, many years and I find myself back into the same place, if not worse places, because I can't get myself out of this. You know, and there's lots of times that Jesus has been trying to guide us out and we get real close. We get real close to the edge of like taking that next step with Jesus and we get so riddled with fear that we... We run back into the abyss, you know, and we reach for some coping mechanism and we cover up the pain with new sin so then the old pain doesn't feel so bad because I got a new thing. It's like I got a headache, so I'm going to slam my toe with a hammer. You know, forgot about the headache. You know, however, I believe that so often we're right at that threshold of taking that step with Jesus, but we need that person that we can hang on to and say, all right, we're going to do this together. Now, I am not perfect, and none of us in here are perfect, and no human is perfect. You know, and, you know, there is no perfectly safe human, and a lot of times that we're waiting for that person to come along, and it's just not realistic. However, I do believe that Jesus puts people in our path that are faithful and trustworthy And they're going to make us angry because they're going to tell us stuff that we don't want to hear. If they're co-signing everything that we're doing, then they're not the right people. And most likely we're going to end up in the wilderness with them. And we're, you know, skipping with them hand to hand, going in the wrong direction. And we're like, how did I end up here again? It's because we're choosing someone that's telling us what we want to hear rather than someone that's giving us biblical truth. You know, so... I know sometimes it feels like when you're about to share that one thing that everything inside of you feels like it's about to lose control and it can be very overwhelming. But I also know that when you finally say that said thing to Jesus, first and foremost, a weight gets lifted and that you do it again and you do it again and you bring it back to him and you bring it back to him and you bring it back to him it's like a little bit a little bit a little bit more gets lifted and then when you start talking to someone that you believe that God has put in your life that you can trust and you start sharing that stuff and you you know you get a little bit of feedback you get a little truth you get some homework you get you know some practical things that you can start to do to apply you start to get some momentum And you realize that some of these things weren't as scary as they have been for a long, long time because it was just you in your mind trying to sort through your stuff that you don't want to face. So you just get so close to it and then you're like, nope, shut the door. You know, so if we begin this process of really starting to admit the areas that we struggle, we admit our sin, we admit the areas that we have unforgiveness, we admit the areas where... You know, 
Our anger is, is continuing to lead us out of control. We admit the secrets, you know, the areas that we're, you know, struggling. I think that the more light we get in there, the Bible tells us what the light shines upon, it too turns into light. That if we expose ourselves more and more, that it's hard for the enemy to, to hide in the darkness because there's less darkness. There's only a few shadows. And the more we begin to shine the light into those areas, there's really nowhere for him to hide. And if there's nowhere for him to hide and we're getting closer and connected to Jesus and we're getting closer and connected to you know, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, yet we're praying for, you know, that we're looking for, you know, that I don't think that you just walk into church next Sunday and be like, hey, I'm going to tell you all my stuff. I don't think that that's why, you know, but yet sometimes that's what we've done. You know, we've had somebody around us for half a minute and we're like, oh, I'm going to dump this. I'm going to, you know, spiritually vomit on you and they don't know how to handle it. And then new chaos arises and we have a new reason why I should never tell people anything. But I believe that if we talk to Jesus and he leads us to finding the right people, things that begin to happen is that we lose that sense of isolation all the time. Many of us have been isolating for a long, long time. You know, many of us have felt alone in the midst of a room. Many of us have sat in church with dozens, if not hundreds of people around us and felt like no one understands. You know, we're completely isolated in our mind and we can't connect because we have this overwhelming weight that's weighing upon us. And we don't think that Jesus will even accept us because of the heaviness and the darkness that we're carrying and we have all these lies that the enemy keeps telling us that he doesn't really love us. But when we start letting him into those areas, we realize that Jesus is way closer than we ever could have imagined. That nothing can separate us from his love. Also, when we begin to, to lay these things at Jesus' feet and begin to understand his grace for our, our sins, that grace begins to be flowing through us a little bit more, and we become willing to forgive people that we said we'd never forgive. We become willing to forgive people that we don't know how to forgive. I know for me, I hung so tightly onto the pain and the anger and the bitterness and the things that had happened to me as a kid that when it came time to let go of it, I just didn't know how to open up and let it out. But I believe that if I'm talking to Jesus and I'm talking to someone else, and I'm getting in my word, you know, that sword comes in and begins to pierce us through the bone and the marrow, and it begins to separate. Light begins to get in there. All of a sudden, grace begins to flow through us. You know, and that we come to this place where we pray for the willingness to forgive. We pray for the willingness to let go. And then we are able to forgive other people. Now, a lot of times we want to forgive other people because we think that, you know, they're, they need to change first. But forgiveness isn't about change. And we should be thanking God for that because how many times have we asked for God to forgive us in certain areas that we haven't changed? So if God's grace is for us and it's not about our performance, good thing that we didn't have to get without a blemish before we came to Jesus because none of us would be here. We wouldn't have made it. That we come to him broken, busted, and disgusted and we say, fix me. You know, and a lot of times that that grace needs to flow through to the other person. Now, that doesn't mean that you just let people walk all over you. You know, there's a whole nother 
you know, series of boundaries that we need to work on that, you know, that, you know, we have to understand how to move forward with certain people. However, I think that I can forgive someone that's unhealthy and still be safe and still trust and still let Jesus move in me, even if the other person isn't doing anything. Because his grace got poured out to me before I learned how to behave myself. You know, and it's funny how when kindness begins to be given to someone, that things begin to shift. You know, God began to show me his love before I ever thought I deserved it. You know, and it's his love that began to melt me, melt my heart, renew my mind, and teach me that I could let go, and he was there. You know, and some of the stuff, you know, I'm just throwing points at you. Some of the stuff is deeper. You know, you, you have to go, you know, deep with the, the Lord with it, and you need to go deep with the person with it to be able to, to handle it or be able to do it perfectly or to do it at all. You know, not that any of us would ever be real perfect, but to be able to move forward in some of these areas, we need a relationship with Jesus. We need to be, we need to understand our word and we need people around us that help us to take these steps because sometimes they're really scary. You know, and through that we lose that false pride. You know, we inflate our ego. You know, we think we're, you know, better than we are. You know, God's been funny through the years that he's asked me to be, you know, transparent. You know, and I throw myself under the bus on a regular basis that, you know, I don't have it all figured out. You know, I still struggle. You know, and I need Jesus to begin to, to teach me how to do certain things. You know, and that's where true humility comes in is that so often I want to control it. I want to do it my way. I know best. And Jesus has shown me very adamantly that I don't need to control it. I shouldn't control it. I don't know best. You don't need to do it my way. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. That it's his principles, his truth, his word that's guided me all these years to where I am even today and still need a lot of work to, to you know, come in and become the man that he's calling me to be. You know, and that's when we really know that God is with us and that we see him moving that, you know, on one hand, I'm a wretch. And on the other hand, I'm saved by grace. You know, and there's days that we feel pretty wretched. I don't know about you. You know, and I don't question my salvation. You know, I don't think that, oops, I messed up, that he doesn't love me anymore. I just get a real accurate assessment of how much Tom's heart and Tom's mind needs more Jesus. Amen? You know, and I think that we got to keep bringing that back to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm not as good as I think I am. I'm not as good as I try to portray I am. I'm not as good as in, in the amount of judgment I give towards other people and think that they should be better. You know, I am the worst sinner I know. Because I know all my sins. You know, there is no one that can sin more than me in my own mind because I know how much at fault I am. You know, and, and it's taken that in a healthy degree of wretchedness and saying I'm saved by grace. Now, that doesn't give me license to sin. You know, and we have to be careful because we can lean in that way. Oh, God will forgive me. No, I think that we need to keep bringing these things back to Jesus and saying, forgive me again, forgive me again. How many times you got to do it? 70 times 7. As many as it takes. You know, as many as it takes. 
Keep bringing it to him. Keep coming to him. Keep asking for strength. Keep asking him to take it. Keep asking him to forgive you. And that's how we humble ourselves before the Lord and saying, I don't have this figured out. I am not super Christian. You know, I am a broken kid that needs his daddy to come in and and begin to lead me down this path because if I continue to do it my way, I'm going to end up in some places that I don't want to go. You know, when we begin to admit, you know, how much we're struggling, you know, we see that that sense of denial that we hang on to so tightly that, no, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I don't have a problem. You know, we really can't use that anymore. Now, something the Lord showed me many years ago now is that each one of us is in denial of an area that we don't even really know exists or we're doing really good at, you know, pretending isn't there. You know, and through another season or three or how many years it's going to take that he'll expose that. You know, and usually some person has been trying to point at that. You know, some of you that have spouses or parents, you know, or people that live with you, they like to poke your buttons, right? And we don't, like, I don't have the problem. You know, you have the problem. You know, and lo and behold, you know, our loved ones that love to to criticize us and, and tell us how much we are awesome, you know, they weren't wrong. Maybe what they said was wrong. Maybe how they said it was wrong. Maybe how they had tried to approach it was wrong. You know, maybe how they handled it was wrong. But what they were trying to say might be 100% correct. But I've learned that there's times that certain tools need to be used for certain jobs. You know, if I'm trying to nail a nail in, I'm not going to go get a wrecking ball and try to swing it through the house to try to get that nail put in because it could do more damage than good. And sometimes that's what our loved ones are trying to do, and they don't always mean it. You know, I'm not trying to excuse anyone. I'm just trying to point out that I have made mistakes in trying to help people. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I've said things in in ways that I shouldn't have said it. You know, many, many years ago before I had zero grace, you know, and I had to learn how to have grace. I didn't understand it. It's truth. You need truth. You need only truth. And I was going to give you truth because I wanted truth and you wanted truth. I knew you wanted truth. Maybe you didn't know you needed truth, but I was going to help you understand the truth was going to be the thing that you needed. And I learned that it's not always what I was saying. It's how I said it. You know, and I've learned how to interact with people better. I've learned how to try to to point at things a little bit better. I've learned to try to be more graceful and Christ-like in trying to help people. And then there's times that, you know, you might need to swing a sword. You know, and there's a balance. You know, and I used to listen to this preacher, Curry Blake, and he said that, you know, I want to be someone that has a baby in one hand and a sword in the other. You know, there's times that you need to be able to be gentle as handling the baby, and then there's going to be times that you need to be able to wield the sword. You know, and having the the discernment to be able to to understand when is is the best for each one is is yet something I'm continuing to work on. But I believe that when we get around truth, sometimes it's painful. You know, many of us have heard that truth will set you free. 
and that's one of my pet peeve verses, you know, as some of you have heard, you know, it's, you know, that when we know Jesus' teachings and we obey them, then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. But I also believe that there's a part that could have been put in there, and it's Tom's opinion, but the truth will piss you off before it will ever set you free. And he should have wrote that in there, because then we would understand that it made us angry and now we're free. Because usually when people tell us the truth, we get angry, don't we? Don't we get angry first? We're like, praise God. Thanks for telling me the truth. Everyone loves the truth. But what I've also come to know is that the more I'm in my word, and those words begin to speak to me, that he begins to get in there and dissect some things. And that a lot of times I stumble across verses that you know, remind me of something someone has said. And obviously God's grace is perfect. You know, and when he speaks to us about certain things through his word, it's exact and it's always on time and it's always exactly what we need to hear in the moment that we need to hear it. And then later on, the Holy Spirit's like, oh, remember when so-and-so said that? And we're like, yeah. Well, that's what they were trying to do. But they weren't really good at it. You know, and I've had moments where people have tried to criticize me or point you know, their finger at me or, you know, say things about me. And in my early years, I would get really prideful and defend myself and blah, 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 blah. But in my later years, I always take that stuff to Jesus and say, Jesus, is there truth in anything that they're saying? It doesn't matter how they said it. You know, and I, I let the Holy Spirit, you know, begin to, to dig it in there because, you know, we never know that People that we may not like very much might be trying to speak truth to us, but we can't hear it because we don't like them. You know, and if it's truth, if it's healing truth, if it's Jesus' truth, if there's something I, I need to change, then I would want to know it. I don't know about you, but I want to know it. You know, I want to become more like Christ. You know, and I've learned that, you know, God can speak through a donkey. He can speak through somebody at Home Depot. He can speak to somebody in an AA meeting. He can use an atheist. He can use a Satanist. He can use whoever he wants to use. And if I can recognize that God's trying to get my attention, I stop looking at the package that the truth came in. And I start to accept that there's truth in what that person or you know that you know that lesson that God's trying to get my attention in. You know, so this is why it's important for us all to be in our word because we will know truth when we hear it. That's what Jesus says, right? And the more of the word that we know, and it might come from an unlikely source, but all of a sudden there's truth in those words and it connects to something that's scriptural and we're able to receive it a little bit easier. You know, and that we, underst we understand that God uses his word to teach us who he is and also teach us who we are. You know, and this is where this healing process really begins. And that we gain a freedom that goes far beyond, you know, ever understanding that was available. You know, many years ago I was just trying to get sober. You know, and I was doing everything I could possibly do to just, you know, not keep going around and around that crazy mountain. You know, but I didn't want to change much. You know, I thought that drugs and alcohol were really just a problem. But what I came to learn is that my sin 
you know, was doing a lot of damage, you know, and drugs and alcohol was how I was dealing with the pain that I was in. You know, and I come to learn that there was far more freedom available than I ever knew was available. And there was a lot more work that needed to take place. And there was a lot more surrendering that I needed to do. You know, and, you know, through it, he's taken me on this journey. You know, I never knew that this amount of freedom was available. You know, really all I was trying to do was get Jesus to help me stay sober. And what Jesus ended up doing is giving me him. You know, and it was the greatest gift I've ever received. And I I would say that we've all can vouch for that. You know, and he's taken us all on a ride that's far more than we ever anticipated. And sometimes we wish he would stop. (laughs) Like, all right, enough already. Like, you know, just take a break. I'm tired of working on some of this stuff. But in reality, when we get on the other side of said lesson or said breakthrough, you know, usually there's a lot of gratitude and freedom and peace and, and joy and love and everything that comes. You know, and this is how we gain our freedom is that we stop, you know, allowing our secrets to really be the locks that are on the chains that keep us bound. You know, or sometimes we're frozen in time. You know, sometimes there's traumatic events that have taken place. And any time that something even comes close to that type of an event, it flashes us right back into that place, you know, and it makes it hard for us to move forward, you know, and this is why we have to constantly keep bringing Jesus in, you know, you know, when we begin to really admit these sins, it snaps these chains, you know, and God's healing power can really begin to start. You know, David in writing the Psalms 107, 13 and 14, it says, I cried to the Lord in their troubles, and he rescued them. He led them from the darkness and the shadows of death, and he snapped their chains. You know, in Psalm 32, 3 and 4, David tells us what happened to him when he tried to hide his sins. When I did not confess my sins, I was worn out from crying all day. My strength was completely drained. You know, he was, he was trying to teach us about being open. You know, and the openness and the the transparency, you know, the secrets, you know, were, were exposed. That, you know, when he was confronted about his sin that he was trying to keep in secret, you know, he went right to the Lord and said, I've sinned against you and you alone. You know, he understood that his sin affected his relationship with God. You know, and I think that we also have to understand that our sin affects our relationship with God and it affects our relationship with other people. It can even get in, you know, in the way of us being honest with ourselves. You know, so when we really begin to admit these things and turn from our sins and get accountability and and really get in the practice of repentance and, and talking to Jesus about these areas, you know, that light begins to shine in areas that have been dark for a long, long time. You know, when we begin to gain momentum, we begin to gain support, you know, and that, you know, I believe that having someone that's, you know, that understands their word who's speaking into our lives is also very important. You know, you know, I tell people that when they're new and they're maybe going to AA and, you know, I still go to AA now and again, 
but you're going to get a completely different type of counseling from someone that doesn't have Jesus than someone that has Jesus. You know, and even going to secular, you know, rehab or day treatment, you know, or secular counseling, psychiatrists, you're going to get completely different counseling than you would from somebody that has and understands the word and has a relationship with Jesus. You know, and I think that that's very important. You know, I've tried many things of this world and it never worked. It wasn't until I started giving my life to Jesus and had people around me that were speaking truth in my life and would anger me on a regular basis because I didn't like what they were saying. But I also, you know, could feel that there was truth in what they were saying, even though I disagreed with it. Because I've been doing it my way for how long and nothing ever worked. I've been doing it the world's way for how long and I ended up in pain. And I started doing it Jesus' way, and I began to find a freedom that I never knew was available way faster than I even anticipated could ever come. You know, so when we allow the right people to give us feedback, we find that we're heading towards Jesus in a different manner than if I have somebody, my friends, my coworkers, you know, someone that doesn't know Jesus who's speaking into my life. I can end up in all sorts of places I don't really want to be. You know, so when we have the right people in our lives, when denial tries to surface or the enemy tries to tempt us or the enemy tries to lie to us or the enemy tries to give us excuses to why we don't need to do certain things and, you know, I'm not really that bad. You know, I deserve a little treat now and again because I've been behaving. You know, it really wasn't my fault. You know, and, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. She doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, there's all these things that the enemy tries to use to keep us stuck in denial. And when we allow, you know, God's truth to come in, we realize that, you know, we need help to get out of the places that we're stuck. We can't do it ourselves or we would have done it many, many years ago. You know, and it's important that we have support, you know, through, you know, our biblical friends. But I also think that it's, important that we're growing in our understanding and relationship with the Lord. You know, we're asking Him to, to set us free. We're asking Him to heal our minds. We're asking Him to heal our hearts. We're asking Him to break off certain things that, you know, we've tried to let go of. You know, I remember praying for Him to heal my mind and take the lust and take the depression and, and, and take the addictions, you know, and, and praying and praying and praying because my mind was just so riddled with craziness. And I remember as things started to lift off and my, my brain started to, to be quieter. You know, I used to have so many things rattling around in there, so many voices. You know, and today, you know, I have peace. You know, I can fall asleep just about anywhere. You know, I can be sitting there and done. You know, and it used to take me lots of medication to fall asleep, you know, because my mind was racing so much, you know, and... It's only Jesus that was able to do that, you know, set my crazy mind free. So I just want to encourage you, you know, I know that last week and this week are kind of deep stuff because we're talking about, you know, talking about our stuff, you know, and it's difficult. But I also believe that it's a step towards freedom, you know, that if I'm doing things my way, I never end up where I'm supposed to be going. You know, and this is where we need Jesus and we need people around us to, to support us, to guide us, to to help us to see the things that we don't see. 
because a lot of times we're sitting in the dark and we don't understand why we see, don't see them. So I just really want to encourage you, you know, if, if anything that you get out of this, I'm really wanting you to talk to the Lord about your stuff first and foremost. I don't want you to run into church, you know, this weekend and just pick some random poor soul and just dump all your junk on them. That's not what this is about. I do believe that you can take your stuff to Jesus because he already knows what it is anyway. You know, and I believe that that's where the first conversation needs to start is you need to get real with him and let him get real with you. You know, and then get in your word and then pray about, you know, support network or pray about a person that you can trust that can help you through whatever it is that you're struggling with. And I, I know that the Lord is faithful that he'll put that person in your path. So you just bow your heads with me. Lord, we need you. We need you so much. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your, your presence. Lord, a moment in your presence can can set us free where years of counseling had, had never worked. Lord, we, we pray that your presence would really begin to move in this ministry and this place. We pray that it would move in our cars and move in our homes, move in our bedrooms, move in our workplaces. Lord, that we would be open for you to move at any given moment. Lord, we pray that your presence would set us free, that you would break the chains, that you would break us through, that you'd give us breakthrough, you'd heal our hearts, you'd turn our hearts of stone into a heart of flesh, you'd renew our minds, Lord, according to your word, that we would have a desire to get into your word, that we begin to understand your word, where other times it's been confusing or boring to us, Lord, we would get excited about your word, Lord, and that we would get excited about our relationship with you, that we would want to worship you, we would want to be in your presence, Lord, because our darkness keeps us from you. So as we dump this stuff at your feet, Lord, we would understand your grace and your love comes pouring over us, Lord, that it truly is the only thing that can set us free. So Lord, help us to know that your mercy is new every morning and your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.